0: So for for nearly as far back as as I can remember, um, I've personally have felt inadequate when it comes to to relationships. And you know how this goes. There's some people that that who to whom relationships just come super easy. They're the kind of people that can talk to just about anybody. They have no problem whatsoever meeting new people, they are just totally comfortable in any kind of social settings. And there's just these kind of people. Is there any of those kind of people here in the room this morning? You'd say, yeah, that's kind of me, total extrovert, no problem. Who would consider themselves kind of introverted in the room this morning? Wow, that's a lot of us. That's a lot of us. I would say, but, but that's me. I'm, I'm in that, that boat too. And uh, have never really been completely at ease uh, just in about any social situation. I really started to notice this when I was a teenager. Um, that's the age where you just kind of start to branch out from, uh, just that, that dad and mom, and you kind of start to realize that friends just become more important in your life. And I started to notice as a teenager that I actually did not have a very easy time get meeting new people, and I was actually pretty awkward in a lot of um, different social situations. And so being the dork that I was, and still kind of am actually to a large extent, I thought, I know what I can do to get it together and to become better with people, what I'll do is I'll just grab a bunch of books on how to make friends, and I'll read. And I'll learn how to become better at making friends. And so I grabbed one of these books. I can't remember the exact title, but it was just all about how to make friends. And I read through this book. and it had a lot of great things. Um, later on, as I got a little bit older, kind of early 20s, at some point, I grabbed Dale Carnegie's classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, I read through that. And... Uh, then, then this other book came along. It was simply called How to Make Conversations. Just a small little book and it had all these different tips in there on how to be a good, good at conversations. It had tips like making eye contact and uh, talked a little bit about how you just need to have the proper stance. So this is the wrong stance to have if you want to meet new people, right? But this book, it actually didn't help a whole lot because it just got me, it kind of complicated things. It was kind of like Trying to teach someone how to bat and you're telling them they, they got to have their elbow up and this one down here and they got to be standing a certain way. Next thing you know, the kid is just kind of like all bent out of shape and he's not thinking about batting at all. He's, he's just thinking about how he's standing. That was kind of me with conversations. I'd be talking with somebody and rather than thinking about that other person, I'd be thinking about, be standing there thinking about whether my arms were in the right spot and then I realized, oh, they're not. So I put my arms down there like this and then I realized, oh, I'm not smiling like I'm supposed to. So I start smiling. It was totally fake and phony. And then along came these two other books, somewhere in my 20s. I stumbled across these two books here. <laughs> if you didn't think I was a dork before, you're going to totally think I'm a, I'm a dork now. But this one is called How to Talk to Anyone, 92 Little Tricks for Big Success in Relationships. <laughs> and this one here, How to Instantly Connect with Anyone, 96 All-New Little Tricks for Big Success and relationships. So I grabbed a hold of these books and I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a go and see what, what's in here. So it has all these little tips. This one's got 92. Um, first one, how to make your smile magically different. <laughs> and you want to know how to do that now, don't you? So okay, I'm going to give you the tip this morning. You ready for this? Get out your pens and paper. You're going to learn how to make your smile magically different. It's called, the technique is called the flooding smile. Don't flash an immediate smile when you greet someone, as though anyone who walked into your line of sight would be the beneficiary. Instead, look at the other person's face for a second, pause, soak in their persona, (laughs) then let a big, warm, responsive smile flood over your face and overflow into your eyes. It will engulf the recipient like a warm wave. In the split second, delay convinces people your flooding smile is genuine and only for them. Should we try it this morning? Let's try it. Let's see how it works. Jack, can, we, can I try it on you? Okay, so you just come up, pause, allow the warm <laughs> smile to flood my face. <laughs> He's like, get away from me, Rich. This is creepy. It's creeping me out. Creeping me out. Awkward. Totally awkward. But all these tips, and I realized that at some point, I realized in my, my journey that the way to get better at relationships and to become more, a more relational, loving, caring, sociable guy is actually not through reading books. You can read all the books till you're blue in the face. The best place to get be, good at relationships is, is where? We talked about this two weeks ago. In relationships. You've got to be in relationship if you want to get good at relationship. And as we've been looking at over the, the last two weeks in this series on discipleship, relationships are an essential part of the discipleship journey. If you're going to become more like Jesus, you have to be in relationship with others who have that same desire. Relationships are huge when it comes to being like Jesus. Not only because they will help you grow, but because they are a big part of what it means to be a disciple. God is, what he's doing in your life and in my life is he's making us more relational. He's helping us to love more, to care more, to be more patient, more humble, more kind, more generous towards others. And part of what what started me on this discipleship journey was this growing frustration with how different 21st century Christianity is with 1st century Christianity, particularly in the area of relationships. The Christianity that I read about in the Bible is one where where deep, loving, joy-filled community seems to be the norm. You have Jesus, and he's setting the ultimate example of what it means to be in, in loving relationship. He's, he's serving others. He's washing his disciples' feet. He's going to the cross, literally laying down his life because he, he loves people. And he's got this love that, that just stands out. He doesn't just talk about love. He lives it out in a way that's supernatural. It's otherworldly. It stands out like the sun on an otherwise dark sky. And this love that he has is so attractive, it's so different, that people swarmed to him in droves. And then you skip ahead to the early church, and you see that this same supernatural love was again on full display. You read things like this. It, the, Acts chapter 2, it, it, it talks about the early church, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread into prayer. All the disciples were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It's just this picture of this incredible sacrifice where they're just they they just they gave to one another, just they loved and they cared about one another enough that they they just sacrificed. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now, one thing you're not going to find a lot in the the New Testament in particular is where it talks about how they enjoyed the favor of all people because there was just such great preaching in their services or because they just had such great dynamic worship and their weekend services were so awesome that they they just enjoyed the favor of all people. You won't find that, but what you're going to find is what we just read here where they had this incredible love for one another that was so attractive that it just... It it flipped cities upside down. There was this love and this sacrifice and this generosity towards one another that was just, it was beautiful, a powerful thing to behold. One thing that that you can't argue about when you read the Bible is that from the moment Jesus steps on the scene, a new kind of faith in God bursts into life that is marked by two things. It's marked by a radical love for Jesus and a radical love for others. And that is not an understatement to say it was a radical love. What we just read about is a radical, radical love that they had for one another. It was a kind of Christianity that it didn't just blend into the, to the culture around it, but it stood out. And as I look around at the church today, I realize that there is a Christianity that fits with Western culture and lifestyle and there's a Christianity that just doesn't. One fits with the world around us, one doesn't. And the first kind of Christianity, the one that that fits with the world around us, it lets you just keep on living life like everybody else. You know, you can make your goals the same as everybody else. If you're a student, you make your, your biggest goal in life is just to simply graduate so you get to college and hopefully land a good-paying job. If you're a parent, you make your biggest goal. It's all about saving up enough for retirement and then having your kids get through school with good enough grades so they can go to a good college and so they can get a well-paying job. You just make your goals the same goals as everybody else. The Christianity that, that fits, it lets you spend your time like everybody else. Pack your schedule so full that you have little to no time for Jesus and certainly no time to invest in the lives of others. And any extra time that you do have, you just you, you, you squander it all away on social media or by gobbling up every last piece of useless news on the political scene of the day. In the Christianity that fits, you can keep the things, the values, and the priorities of this world, but you will wake up one day and find that it leaves you lacking. You're going to wake up one day and go, something, something is missing. You'll find that you have what the Bible calls a form of godliness, but it's lacking the resurrection power of Jesus, a form of godliness that does not transform your life, and it does very little, if anything, to transform the lives of the people around you. But there is another form of Christianity, one that doesn't fit with the world's way of doing things. It's one where our lives are no longer our own. Where our primary allegiance isn't to our careers, it's not to our homes, it's not even to our families, it's to Jesus. It's one where we're willing to follow him wherever he leads, not just on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, on through the rest of the week. It's a Christianity that says, Jesus, I'm going to make my goals in life your goals. I'm going to be about the things that you're about. I'm going to make my mission your mission. I'm going to go about being loving you and loving people, about making disciples wherever I go. Living a life at the end of the day makes the name of Jesus glorious and attractive. And my question for us this morning is which Christianity do you want? Do you want the one that fits with Western culture and lifestyle? Or do you want the one that doesn't fit? And this sermon series that we're doing right now, I just got to tell you that it's not just some nice sermon series that, that Rich brewed up one day as he was... Driving in the work. It's it this this is about pursuing the kind of Christianity that doesn't fit. The kind of Christianity that we read about in the New Testament, the kind of Christianity that shines like a blazing light in a dark world. And let me just say the things that we're talking about in this series, if lived out in your everyday life, will lead you down a path that is drastically different than the way most Christians in Western culture live their lives. It will take you down a, a, a path that will at times be uncomfortable. It will take you down a path where you're going to have to at times be vulnerable. It will take you down a path where you're going to have to step out in faith in ways that you thought you never would. It will take you down a path that is countercultural to the world around you. It will stretch you. It will grow you. But it will take you deeper into the life of Christ than you ever thought possible. And in the end, it will transform your life, and it will transform the world around you. And I am convinced, I'm convinced the standard way the church operates is off. Yes, we do a lot of really good things. And yes, we, people are coming to Jesus. Yes, people's lives are transformed. However, the impact the church could and should be having on the world around it is not what it should be. People are still disconnected. People, people go to church, they attend weekend services for years. And the kind of community that we read about in the Bible is, is still not evident, a reality in their lives. People are, are doing all the right church things and yet remaining stuck in their faith. Very few people are coming to Christ. And the problem is not that, that um, the church has the wrong programs. The problem is that our, it's not that our hearts are in the wrong place. You know, I know enough of you in this church to know that your hearts are in the right place. We want to be about loving Jesus with everything we've got. We want to be about the world around us, coming to know Jesus and having lives be transformed. It's not that our hearts are off. The problem is that the church's focus has been off. We have made everything our focus except the one thing that Jesus told us to focus on. He didn't say go and grow the church. He didn't say go and create the best weekend services that you possibly could so that people from all around would come and gravitate to that That church building. He said something much more simple and straightforward. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And if you consider yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, this is the mission that he gives to you. You weren't called just so you could go to church every weekend and check off a box that says you're a Christian because you attend a weekend service. You were saved To go and make disciples. You were saved for a purpose. You were saved for a mission. Your life is no longer your own. It's it's about a mission to serve others and to go make disciples of others. And so in this series, we've been looking at what it means to make disciples. We looked at what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus. A disciple is someone who is being changed by Jesus. And there's someone who is committed to the mission of Jesus. Then we looked at how we're all at different stages in the discipleship journey. Some are brand new baby Christians. Others are spiritual parents, so to speak. They're at a place in their journey where they're they're reproducing other disciples of Jesus. Then over the last two weeks, we've been talking about how the primary method that Jesus used in making disciples was not a seminar. It wasn't a Bible college class. The, The primary method that Jesus used in making disciples was relationship. He taught the masses, but at the end of the day, what you're going to see Jesus doing is gathering 12 guys around him and being in relationship with these 12 guys. You're going to see him eating with these guys. You're going to see him serving with these guys. You're going to see him battling for the hearts of other people alongside of these guys. You're going to see him resting with these guys. You're going to see him serving alongside of these guys. Jesus taught them, he corrected them, he challenged them in the end, he sent them. Jesus was all about relationships. It was the main method that he used for making disciples. And something that I find interesting in the, the church is that we, we talk a lot about how Jesus' teachings are divine. So what Jesus taught, that's the way that we should live. We should, he, he teaches this and that. And yes, that's divine. That's the way it should be. But we don't talk a lot about how Jesus' methods are also divine divine and Jesus method of making disciples was not just teaching it was it was relationship when he looked at those first few disciples and said come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men he was looking at a group of people in other words he's saying we're going to do this together this isn't about you coming as individuals to hear a message and then going out as individuals to make disciples he's saying this is about relationship We're going to make disciples together. I'm going to be with you, and then as a team, we're going to go out and transform lives. You're not going to see Jesus sending out his disciples one by one by one by one. No, what does he do? He sends them out two by two. It's about relationship with Jesus. Now, for some reason, though, we respect God's commands, his teachings to to repent and to be baptized, but for some reason, we don't have the same level of respect for his commands to connect But he he commands us over and over and over again to connect, to be in relationship, to be devoted to others, to love one another. And you're going to see these commands all over the place in the New Testament. You're going to see that relationships aren't just some optional add-on to my my personal faith. They are a central part of our faith as God designed it to be lived out. For example, in 1 John 1.7, it says this. It says, If we walk in the light, who's the light? The light is Jesus. if If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have what? We have fellowship with one another. Now, that word fellowship, you don't really hear it a whole lot in this day and age. But in the Greek language, it's the word koinonia, which literally means deep abiding relationship that comes as a result of walking together with Jesus. It's, it's this picture of, of deep, authentic Christian community, and it's about a whole lot more than just going out and grabbing a beer with the boys or having a ladies' night out. It's about having this deep relationship with others that, that comes as you follow Jesus together. And according to God's word, it, it's this cause and effect. You walk in the light, you have fellowship with one another. You have connection. And then... In another place, what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13? He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Then he goes on to describe how love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, is not proud. He's saying it's, it's about relationship, it's about loving relationship. He's saying you can be the, the most gifted person there is. You can, you can have the, most, the strongest faith that there is. You can be the world's greatest philanthropist. But it does not matter if you do not have loving, caring relationship as a part of your life. The Bible has some strong words. It says if you, have, you can have all that. But if there's no love, you, you gain nothing. You are nothing. It's all about loving relationship. The Apostle Paul, he writes this. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then... I urge you. He doesn't say I suggest. He doesn't say it might be nice. He doesn't say, hey, here's a good idea for you. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then he goes on to to talk about what that looks like. And he doesn't go on to say you need to show up in church every weekend or you need to read your Bible every single day or, or this or that. He goes on to describe relationship. He says be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He's describing relationship. In another place, the Bible says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And then listen to this be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. In another place, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Again, these are not suggestions that the Bible's making here. It's not saying, hey, it's a good idea to, to connect if you've got the spare time or got some margin in your schedule. It's saying, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by, doing, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to, to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as, you, as if you together... Sorry, let's try that again. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Relationship. And then in this verse, that's the, the classic verse that you've been hearing over and over again, that's plastered out there on our commons. It's a key part if we're going to be serious about being a disciple making church. Jesus said, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's relationship, 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 connect, connect, connect over and over and over again. God is urging us. He's urging you and he's urging me to be in relationship, to grow in relationship, to be discipled in relationships and to to make disciples in relationships. And I just got to ask, how did we ever get so far off track as the church? Bringing your family to church on Sunday mornings and having a couple surface-level conversations in the commons is not the same thing as being devoted to one another in love. It's just not the same thing. God's word is clear. Our lives as followers of Jesus should be characterized by the depth and quality of the relationships that we have with other followers of Jesus. But here's where we run into some problems. Because every single one of us in this room has been hurt by relationships at some point or another. And not only that, I think if we're honest, probably all of us in the room would say, we're not that great at relationships. You know, some, some of us, have a hard time on, on the beginning stages of relationship because maybe we're a little shyer and a little more introverted, and so we have a, a hard time getting into relationships. But people that have a, a, a much easier time getting into relationships, uh, you know, a lot of them that I know have a, a di- more difficult time on the other end sustaining deep, abiding relationships. And if we're honest, we go, we're just not that great at relationships. And then if we're even more honest, I think we'd probably have to admit that we just don't even have time for these kinds of relationships. Relationships where we are devoted to one another in love, they take time. They take time. I'm going to say it once more this morning. There is a Christianity that fits with Western culture and lifestyle, and there's a Christianity that doesn't. And the one that is characterized by deep, loving, committed, sacrificial relationships, that's the Christianity that does not fit. With Western culture and lifestyle, which means if you want the kind of Christianity where the love we have for one another is so great that the world takes notice, it's so great that they say something is different about them, it's, it, it's, it's that kind of love, it means you're going to have to live differently than the world around you, otherwise you'll never have that kind of loving relationship with other followers of Jesus. The, the kind of relationships we're after, they won't happen with schedules that are so packed that we hardly even have room to breathe. They won't happen if we decide to make individualism, individualistic living, if we decide to make that a value like the rest of the world around us, it just won't happen if that's a value for us. They won't happen if we just give way to the culture around us that says, okay, we live in the Pacific Northwest, where there's the Pacific Northwest freeze, we're we're just kind of distant from one another, Those kind of relationships won't happen if we just kind of give way to that kind of thinking. Those kind of relationships, they won't happen if we just choose to shut ourselves inside of our homes and hide behind our blinds, hide behind our our social media, hide behind our big screen TVs. If you want the kind of relationship described in the Bible, you're going to have to live differently. They won't work any other way. And I've learned a simple truth over the last couple years. And that's this relationships are simple but hard. Relationships are actually simple but hard. You know, it's not, it's not too complicated when it comes to to being in relationships. I mean, you gotta open up your life to people. You gotta be at some point, you gotta be real, authentic, you gotta be vulnerable. If you've got some unforgiveness, some fear, I mean, you just got to push through that. That's not super complicated, but it's hard. It's hard. Last week, Tyler Mitchell uh, did an incredible job of just unpacking how relationships will cost us time, they're going to cost us comfort, and they're going to cost us pride. They're going to cost you your time. You're going to have to go, okay, I've got to clear some things off my schedule because I just... These kind of relationships the Bible talks about and describes that, that Jesus is, is inviting us into, they are not going to happen with the crazy lifestyles that we live. They're going to cost you your time. They're going to cost you your comfort. They're going to cost you your pride because you're going to get into them and you're going to, there's going to be times where you say something silly, you say something goofy. It's going to cost you your pride. But because they're they're hard, we we come up with all kinds of ex- excuses, don't we? I have a schedule that's too full, I just, I just can't make that happen, that's, that's for somebody else. Or here's another excuse that we make a lot of the times, I tried but it didn't work. I, I tried to pursue relationship but stuff happened, things were said, they weren't as interested in relationship as I was, I got hurt, they got hurt, it just kind of fizzled out. And if that's you, and, and I know a lot of people are in that boat, they go I tried but it didn't work. If that's you, take some inspiration this morning from our Lord and Savior Jesus. We have we have God coming and He creates the heavens and the earth and then He creates men for relationship. And, and we have this picture of God walking with, with man and woman in the Garden of Eden. Things are going awesome. There's this sense of community. But then what happens is is man begins to distrust God and question God. And sin comes in the picture. Relationship is broken. And there's a separation between God and humanity. He tried and it didn't work. But then what does God do? He doesn't step back and go, okay, it didn't work so I'm just going to leave them to themselves. I'm going to stay up here in heaven. I'm just going to let them do their own thing. No, what God does... In that broken relationship, in that broken state, is he makes a decision that he's going to do whatever it takes to make relationship work. And so what he does is he leaves his throne in heaven. He steps down into this earth. And he ends up going to the cross and dying for the sins of the world so that relationship, to make way for relationship to be made whole. And if you're here this morning and going, I tried and it didn't work, just follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus, who, who, who did whatever it took, even taking on just pain and suffering, do whatever it took to make relationships work. If Jesus made disciples in a relationship, then what's, that's what we need to be doing too. That's what we need to be doing too. And, and I want to leave you with this question. What are you going to do to make a way for deep, Christ-centered, authentic Christian community relationship to happen in your life. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, I don't know what that looks like for you, but but you've got a choice. You've got a choice. You you can just keep coming and doing this thing here every week, and, and if you want to do that, you know, we're, no one's going to judge you. I mean, we're going to love you. We're gonna we're gonna love you like crazy. But you've got a choice. You can just keep it at this level here, or you can go, no, I'm going I'm to go a level deeper. God's word is calling me. We saw it this morning. God's word is calling me into something deeper, and so I'm going to begin to pursue relationship outside of just what happens here on a Sunday morning. The choice is yours. But I would say, like Paul says, I urge you, I urge you, I urge you, urge you, urge you to pursue the kind of relationship that God paints a picture of in the New Testament you know he does that for a reason right it's not because he wants to make your life miserable it's not because he doesn't care about you it's because he loves you it's because he's after your joy and he's after the joy of those around you and he knows that relationships are a key part to making that happen And so he says, be devoted to one another in love. And I know there are those in this room who the thought of relationships just scares you. Maybe you've tried before but just hasn't worked. God says, pursue them anyways. And, And I can tell you this morning that if you do pursue them, yes, they will be messy. Relationships are always messy because we're all broken men and women they're messy, but, but in the middle of that messiness, God works. He always works to refine you, to shape you, and to make you somebody who is making a difference in, the, in people's lives around you. So I urge you to pursue relationships. There, there's a lot of ways that, that we do that around here. You know, my whole picture of what church is and what church is all about is just changing so much. You know, I almost... I almost believe that the reason we have this meeting right here is simply for a gateway into relationships. If all this meeting is on Sunday mornings is just a meeting where you just go out and you just live life on your own, then I think we're missing it. This is this is a gateway for a relationship. You know, we have, have programs in our church, like the, the women will get together tomorrow night, and it's not about the program even. It's not even about the curriculum that they're going through. That's just simply a... A, a gateway to get people in relationship. The students in our church, they get together every Sunday night with Fusion, and, and it's, it's not about the program. That is just a gateway for the kind of relationships that we read in the Bible. We have small groups in our church. They go through different Bible studies. They go through different curriculum, but it is not about the curriculum. That is simply a way to get you in relationship. It is all about relationship the goal of the christian life is that at the end of your life your time here on this earth you will love jesus more and you will love people more and that happens it happens in relationship so pursue relationship with all you've got don't settle for a life of surface level relationship don't settle for a christianity that just keeps it all on the surface pursue relationship pursue godly centered authentic relationship and watch how god works in your life through that would you pray with me this morning heavenly father lord i thank you so much that we have the truth of scripture god to keep us centered on this god it is so much easier god it is so much easier god just to say i'm going to be about me and keep people at a distance, God, that is, God, in, in, in a world where relationships are broken, God, where we say things and do things that, that, that are hurtful, God, where we can be so self-centered, God, it is, it is way, God, it's way easier just to keep relationships at a safe place, a comfortable place, but God, your word is calling us into something different, and God, you're asking us, God, if we will trust you enough to say, Jesus, if that's what you're calling me into, if you're calling me to be a part of relationships where I'm devoted to one another, to, to others in, in love, then I'm just going to trust you enough to say, yeah, okay, if that's what you're asking me to, Jesus, I'm, I'm just going to go down that road. I'm going to make those happen, whatever it takes. And so, Father, I pray that this morning, Jesus, we would, we would learn from you, Jesus, that, God, we would We would would make our lives, God, about pursuing the kind of life that you lived. God, we'd make our lives about loving people like you love people, serving people like you serve people, being devoted to one another, God, like you are devoted to us. God, sacrificing our lives for the sake of others like you sacrificed your life for us. God, may we be generous with others, God, in the same way that you are generous with us. God, I pray that we would not settle for a Christianity that is less than the Christianity, God, that you set out to live, God, and and to be an example to us for. God, may we just pursue the the Christianity, God, that you modeled for us. God, we just want to tell you that we need your help. We need your help in doing that. Father, there are, are people in this room this morning, God, that are... Are just scared of that because God they've experienced brokenness God they they've gone all in with relationships and God they've just experienced the pain that can come with that God I pray this morning that, that father God they would hear your word and God that they would go to a place of just saying I'm going to trust you Jesus this is what you're asking me to do I'm going go I'm going to go down that road and God there's others in this room this morning that are God, they just find relationships so hard. God, they 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 go, they they, they want to be about relationships, they want to know people, they want to be someone that's, that's pouring into someone, other people's lives, but it's just so hard. God, maybe the rejection that they've experienced in the past, God, just keeps them at a distance and all they they just get around people and it's just it's just fear. God, all that, that, that goes on in their minds is just, will, will I be rejected? Will they accept me? Well, God, I pray, Father, this morning that, God, you would transform our hearts and minds to the place, God, that, that Jesus, we would be a people that when we, when we get into relationship, God, we're, we're, we're so busy thinking about how we can love others that, that there's no time or space to even think about ourselves in that. That, God, we'd be all about loving others. That, God, we'd just be so about that that we'd push through our fear. We'd push through our anxiety. And that, Jesus, we'd be, be about loving others. And so to do that, Jesus, we need your help. We need your help. God, I pray. I pray, Jesus, that we would be a church that is devoted to one another, God, like we read about in the New Testament. Make us that kind of a church. Make us that kind of a church. God, that is my heart's cry. Make us that kind of a church. God, I pray for the the students in this room. God, may you do something supernatural in the students of this room where Jesus, their faith, God, is marked by this crazy love for others. God, I pray for the men and women of this church that, God, we become so passionate about pursuing loving relationships that, God, we would be willing to sacrifice the stuff on our schedule that that makes it impossible to do that. God, may we be so focused on that, that, Jesus, we're, we're willing to do whatever it takes to pay whatever price it takes to have those kind of relationships. God, I pray all this. God, in your great, awesome, matchless name, Jesus. Amen.